eBay friends, this is Suzanne A. Wells, and you have landed on episode number 51 of eBay The Right Way. Today's date is March 9th, 2022. Tamsin in Canada is my guest in this episode. Before we get into that chat, we're going to do a quick calendar check-in. Okay, students, pull out your calendars and take a look at the bolo of the month. This item can sell for over a thousand dollars depending on the version, and this item has increased in value since the calendar was printed in November of 2021. According to Terapeak today, March 9th, 2022, 3,900 of these have been sold by 2,700 different sellers over the last year. In the calendar, the information below the photo states 1,800 were sold between November 2020 and October 2021. So now in March of 2022, Terapeak shows 3,900 sold. So over double the amount has sold only five months later. And I know I'm a research geek, but this research tells us that the item is highly desirable and people are paying more for it now than just a few months ago. And these are the kinds of items we want to look for because their value is increasing. So how is that for keeping you in the know? This item is definitely out in the wild. People are finding it and sellers are making huge money selling it. So if you want to know more about March's Bolo of the Month, get your calendar in my eBay store. The link is below the podcast. And just a reminder, the calendar serves as a bridge between the 2021 and 2022 BOLO books, as well as an interactive and fun educational tool. Each month in the calendar has a new BOLO that was not in the previous year's book. So that's 12 items based on research done in November of 2021. Some of you have asked when the next Bolo book will be available. It is scheduled for release in early summer of 2022. And most notably, all of the items are different from those in the previous year's book. No repeats. So if you are waiting for the 2022 Bolo book, and you don't have the 2021 version, you are leaving money on the table right now. So you might want to go ahead and get the 2021 book because these two books have different items in them. And you could be finding more high profit items right away. Okay, now let's get into the conversation with Tamsin. 
today we have Tamsin with us, and she is going to be dubbed our second Canadian guest. <laughs> so now that we've had one, they're all popping up. Um, so we can learn a little bit about her business and she specializes in a very interesting category. So we will get to that. How are you doing this morning, Tamsin? I am good. I am good. And you? I'm great. We got it all pulled together and here we are. As always, <laughs> a few little technical difficulties, but yep. Zoom is great when it works. <laughs> so um, let's start off with where you're located. Um, I am in Coquitlam, BC in Canada. So that's about half an hour outside of Vancouver, BC. Okay. And so how far is that from the the border of US? Um, I can get to the border from here in about 40 minutes or so. Oh, okay. Um, so it's about a two and a half hour drive to Seattle, two and a half to three hours, depending if you hit Seattle traffic. Okay. Okay, that's good to know. Do yeah. you do you come over into the U.S. very often? We did before COVID. Um, oh, right. So we used to like I've I've been on various diets over the years, and I find that Walmart and Target in the states carries a lot more of the foods, and Trader Joe's, of course. Um, so we would pop over regularly, but um, I think they lifted the restrictions for like 20 days in November and they're back in place. So it's not cost effective to pay the 200 bucks for the test to come back in. Oh, um, yeah, $200. So it's between 150 and $200 to get that. Um, P what's it called? PRC, PCR, P whatever the test is that you need um, to show that you're not COVID positive. So um, I heard though in March, they might be lifting it again. So fingers crossed. Yeah, I'm waiting until the endemic is <laughs> over. <laughs> Everyone's so sick of it. But yeah. that is quite restricting for you. Yeah. So yeah. we also used to fly out of SeaTac uh, Airport quite often because a lot of times it's cheaper. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it's really got to be worth it. You got to be going on a big trip to fork out the money for the COVID tests. Oh, wow. that That's a lot of inconvenience. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start off with um, how you got started on eBay because everybody comes into this business a different <laughs> way. <laughs> um, well, I actually was an eBay. I did sell about 10 years ago. I sold all my ex-husband's concert t-shirts <laughs> and concert paraphernalia um, but and have bought stuff over the last 10, 15 years. Actually, it's probably closer to 20 years ago that I sold all of those. Um, and then didn't do much on eBay. And then a couple of years ago, I was uh, sick at home, actually. And I was watching YouTube online. And I saw some YouTube videos about resellers. And um, I love to shop and find a good deal. So thrifting has always been kind of part of my and the idea of reselling on eBay, seeing as I already kind of knew how to do eBay, um, was super exciting. <clears throat> and so then I started binge watching all of the YouTube videos. And the more information I could get, the better. And um, then we tested the waters by selling a few things around the house to see how it would go. And uh, it sort of evolved from there. And uh, now, actually, I work for the government nine to five. 
Um, but if, if I didn't have a pension coming in the next five years, I would quit my job and do reselling full-time because I actually make more money reselling than I do with my government job. And that's a very common situation. Yeah. So many people in law enforcement, nursing, you know, healthcare, teaching, it's, they're just hanging in there for that pension. Yeah. Pension and benefits. Um, I can retire. Actually, it's yeah, 2028 on my birthday in March. So that's my retirement date. <laughs> so what is that? Six years. Yeah. I oh, guess six. Wow. I've, I've shortened it to five in my head, but I guess yeah, it's really six. Yeah. But hey, by then you'll yeah. have a, well, you already have a very successful business. So um, you're just one of those that it would be foolish to give up what's coming to you to do this yeah. time. And so many people are, well, I, I work with a lot of retirees and pre-retirees that just, they want something interesting to do, another way to make money that's yeah. fun. And so many people are just getting all of their ducks in a row to do exactly what you're going to yeah. do. Yeah. So yeah, I wish that I had found this earlier on in my career, but Oh, well, <laughs> it's all going to work out the way it's supposed yep. to. Yep. Yep. So you work on your business in the evenings and on the weekends. Yeah, I am. Um, and then I um, I have enlisted the help of my partner or my ex-partner now. Um, so he does um, he does a lot of the packing for me. So because we ship large, fragile items, he's become an expert at, at packing that stuff. So. So let's talk about what you sell because you have a very well-defined business model. We do, um, I'd say about, I don't know, 60 to 75% of our inventory is vintage lighting. Um, So predominantly um, swag lamps, hanging swag pendant lamps from 1960s, 1970s with the big glass globes. Those are the ones that... um, we have a lot of, I also do um, chandeliers and um, any kind of thing that has to be hardwired into the ceiling. A lot of times I end up switching them over. I rewire most of them. Really? Um, yeah. And I also um, convert table lamps into swag lamps. Um, table lamps are not very popular right now, but they often have all the components or most of the components that you need for a hanging swag lamp. So I take them apart, put them back together with the new wiring and the new socket, and they become pendant lamps. And um, yeah, we sell a lot of those. Um, We also do sell just um, plain, I call it plain old thrifting stuff, but um, (laughs) I just love the thrift store. So um, I do, we do focus mostly on vintage collectibles and uh, vintage blankets um that's where I gravitate towards when I get into the thrift store is into mm-hmm. collectibles I love the treasure hunt finding that uh, hidden gem that's you know 70 80 years old amongst all of the crap that came from China so. exactly and and being able to recognize what yeah. is truly vintage and what was made it you know made yeah. for target last week exactly um, there's so many replicas and that's a style now and it's yeah. funny. I'll see on listings, it'll say mid-century modern style or yeah. retro. And it's like, yeah, yeah that's with the that's, fake, the fake crazing uh, that drives me nuts. When there's fake crazing on a, on a, um, on a, I don't know, an, an ornament or a, 
a bowl or something. And it's like, they're trying okay, to So it. talk about what is crazing and how can you tell when it's fake? Um, crazing is what happens um, to the finish of something that's old and that's made of ceramic. Um, and it's like little cracks, but they're not act they're under the, the top coat. So you can't feel them if you run your finger along it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like a little spider web of cracks kind of. Um, and usually on our, in real crazing, it only happens in portions of it. It's not, and it's not a consistent pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, the newer ones, you can just tell by looking at it, they've just, it's just a consistent pattern all over. And it's like, they printed the crazing or painted it on and then covered it in glaze. Oh my gosh. I mean, people will invent anything to copy an original, <laughs> um, I remember like cookie jars and such, it, it could be on the bottom of it, yep. but not on the, the outsides or yep. if you look down inside, you can see it, but it's not on the outside. It's in different places. Yep. And I love your description that it's like a spider web because that's exactly yep. what it looks like. And it, yeah, it looks almost like it's cracked, but if you run your finger over it, it it'll still be smooth so that mm-hmm. you shouldn't be able to feel the crazing. Um, I just picked up a, what was it? It's a ceramic Santa Claus bell um, at the thrift store the other day. And it's got crazing um, on the inside of it, but there's no crazing on the outside of it. So knowing that, yeah, just, I think that's probably maybe where the bell's been hitting <laughs> the, the, the clanger. Okay. Okay. But, and I picked up um, a pair of global um, salt and pepper shakers mm-hmm. the other day and the rabbit has some crazing on it, but it comes with a little um, carrot <laughs> that's the pepper shaker uh-huh. and it has no crazing on it. So it's just the stress points, I think. Okay. I'm, I'm on Google right now. I, w- I looked up fake crazing and it's they're a very consistent pattern. The fake crazing. There's a lot of information on that um, pictures and blog posts and um, like collectors weekly where um, I did not even know that was a thing that, you yeah. know, a lot of, um, I see like pier one stuff and, um, uh, the old Bombay company, they mm-hmm. have a lot of fake crazing on their stuff and oh. target some of the target stuff, especially like bowls, ceramic bowls, the whole entire bowl will be, will have fake crazing all over. Oh, I wonder how they do that. I think it's just a, like when they're doing the pattern, they st- it's almost like they stamp it on or paint it on first. Oh, so the manufacturer is doing it. Yeah. It's not yeah. resellers that are out yeah. there finding things and making them try no, to pass I think, that, or, I think that would be too complicated. I'm like, oh, what do they do? Sit there with a pencil? <laughs> you know, that's that's got to be very time-consuming to right? make that. Right, a lot of return. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I know. That's true. Okay, so you have really educated me and probably a lot of listeners about <laughs> Um, that can be a thing. So listeners, um, just go to Google Images, do a little research on Google. There, there's information about authentic versus fake. Um, wow. I'm just, you know, surprises every day in this business. Like what? Really? <laughs> yeah. I find that like coffee cups and um, teapots, you can, the crazing is really, the real crazing is really um, prominent because um, at some point, I guess the tea or the coffee actually seeps into the crazing. It must go through mm-hmm. the glaze a little bit. So it dies. The cra- you can really see it on those. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it turns it a darker color. Yeah. The lines okay. Turn. 
Very interesting. Um, what thrift stores do you have in your area? Well, we got lots. Um, we got lots of Value Villages, which I think are savers in the States. Um, we have Value Village here in Atlanta. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Talese. Um, and then the rest of them are pretty much one-offs, like auxiliaries to hospitals. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there's a a really good one um, about, well, my mom lives in North Vancouver. So when I'm out visiting her, which is about 40 minutes away, um, there's, it's, there's no clothing in it. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a happy place for a clothing reseller, but it's all um, collectibles and lighting. And um, I don't know, there's like drawer pulls and it's, it's all stuff that he's pulling out of people's homes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's one of my favorite stores. Okay, so you are um, blessed with a lot of thrifting in your area because that can be a challenge anywhere um, of yeah. of where to get things. And have you seen prices go up since COVID, which they have in a lot of places around not, the U.S.? So, a little bit, maybe. I will say that as far as the lighting goes, um, majority of our lighting comes off Facebook marketplace, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't, we do find the odd lamp in a thrift store. Um, but most of the stuff we target is Facebook marketplace. And actually, um, my ex-partner right now is that I what and every now and again, I'll do an online estate um, sale. Mm-hmm. And I was there two weeks ago, picking up um, some encyclopedias, which we also sell. Um, Yikes. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, I won actually two sets of encyclopedias for a dollar a piece. Wow. So I made the 40 minute drive out to pick them up. And when I was in the house, I was looking at all the lights in the house and it was obviously a house that um, was either going to be flipped or torn down. Like it wasn't going to be, it wasn't in a condition for somebody to sort of move in and live in. And I asked the guy running the uh, auction what they were going to do with the lighting and he hummed and hawed and didn't know and then he took our business card and called us last week and said come out today and have a look and give us a quote for what you would pay for all of the lights so I have a feeling if they come to an agreement I will be on my way back there this evening to um, uninstall (laughs) the lights that are in the ceiling and um, probably replace them with something just like a builder grade type basic lighting so so do you have um an electrician's background did you I do not no I um I have been crafty this is like a big craft for me (laughs) okay (laughs) rewiring I have done every craft that you can think of since I was little and so uh rewiring was just sort of an extension and building the lamps I particularly like building like chandelier type hanging swag lights out of multiple pieces that weren't together in the first place. So it's like creating something new. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, I do do just the basic rewiring, but those are, those are run of the mill for me. I really like the creative process of building something. So you just um, learned from YouTube or books or how did you learn about the electrician part of it? The electrician part is super. I've been replacing lights in the house for years so just like swapping out light fixtures so I already knew the basics of how to how to rewire or how to 
put in a light and it's really not much different with a table lamp. I watched a YouTube video. Um, there's two screws and two wires basically. So it's just a matter of feeding it through. There's a ton. I actually have a Facebook group um, that I started, I don't know, about six or eight months ago for people who were fixing lamps and refurbishing them. Okay. Um, and we've grown, we're just under a thousand people now. So um yeah, it's, there's a lot of discussion, like people picking up stuff and how do I do this? Everything from people not ha- knowing anything to pretty much experts who do it as a living. And uh, it's, I've learned a lot and I've been able to share a lot of my information. So. Oh, well, that's a wonderful resource. So are you accepting new members? Yep. Yep. I do screen them to try and keep out. We have had a few sort of manufacturers in um, both India and China try to spam us with all of their parts but um, yeah if you can show that you're a real person um, we'd be happy to have new members it's called um, I always have to remember what I named it it's called light and lamp refurbish and repair group okay um, and um, we'll get that link and put it below the podcast so that I know some of my listeners will be very interested in in that Um learning more and having a resource to ask questions. That's, that's Mm. the hardest thing with these very specific items is you can go on the, what is this group, which has like 200,000 members, but it's, I feel it's more beneficial to network with people who are knowledgeable about that specific item because you can say, been there, done that, here's what you do, or I don't know, but you can go check this out, that kind of thing. We, uh, I, um, I do quite a lot of tension pole lamps, the ones with the springs on the top that go from floor to ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like in the really popular in the seventies and eighties mm-hmm. um, and getting pieces the a lot of the pieces inside that hold the spring part are plastic. And just over the years, they become brittle and broken. So having um, a resource other people who have broken lamps and swapping out parts. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a great idea. You just, you know, and or sometimes there's three matching shades and one of them's broken and you're looking for the third one to replace and somebody else has one similar enough that uh, you can sell that. That's good. And um, it was also a bit of a challenge for me to find a supplier in Canada that has the... Um, that has the pieces that I need. Um, they don't make a lot of them, but you can get some of them. And having spoken about going across the border, I used to have a mail place that would receive parcels and I could order my bits and pieces from the US suppliers. But with COVID and not being able to go across the border, um, it was super expensive to actually have them shipped in. There's brokerage fees and um, I usually do my own brokerage. so. Finding a Canadian supplier was a good a good thing. Well, and I love that you can swap out parts because these people might have things that aren't even listed anywhere online, not oh, on eBay, not, yeah. not on Etsy, and it's just somebody that has what you need because um, they haven't listed it yet, or maybe they're looking for another part. And that is a wonderful idea. You are very smart to start that group. <laughs> And often there's people they don't sell on Etsy, they only have, or on eBay, they only have brick and mortar stores or they do repairs for local people. Um, so somebody will go, I really need this part. And somebody will say, oh, I think I have one in the garage. Hang on. Oh, you're kidding. So it's matching up the haves with the have nots. Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. Um, just a side note for Facebook 
Do you use that feature in your group where you have to approve posts? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I went to that a couple of months. Oh no, ago. sorry. Um, not the proof, not approving posts or approving membership. Okay. Um, well, there's that. And then there's where you can approve each post. And so that cuts down on the spammy stuff. Cause I get it too. With all these people in different countries are wanting to come in there and spam or just, yeah. I, I don't know what they're doing, but um, so, so far you can approve posts if it gets too messy um, and, you know, it just pops up on your feed, one post awaiting approval and most everything gets approved, but it's just another way to keep all we the crap have, out. <laughs> um, I've had to delete maybe two or three that popped up. Um, I usually see them pretty quickly or somebody reports them to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have, it's been a really supportive so far. There's been no like nastiness on there. So right. we're relatively new. We're like about, I think we're six or eight. I can't remember when I started it. I feel like it was about six or eight months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I did set up, there's a couple options where you can, if there's multiple answers within a very short time, I, and it's showing that it's kind of heated, then it will stop it automatically. Um, and there's another feature, I think if there's n- less than 10 characters in a post, it will automatically flag it and not approve it. Yeah. Facebook has come a long way on automation to keep the crap out. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. So if, if we get to a point where it's needed, I may move to that, but so far so good. <laughs> okay, great. So, um, how many items do you have listed in your store? Um, we usually have just under a thousand. Um, I think we're sitting at like 960, 980 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the vintage stuff is cross-posted to Etsy as well. Most of it, not all of it. Um, and so, yeah, it's, and I, right now I use a cross-posting, I pay for a cross-posting thing that goes from eBay to Etsy and it automatically delists when I sell mm-hmm. um, to the other one. But, and I was looking to cross-post to some other platforms, but I can't find that feature on any of the other apps and I really like it. I don't have to worry that it's going to sell on both platforms at the same time. Okay. Um, so yeah, but uh, the majority of our stuff is on eBay. We started on eBay. We still do twice as much business on eBay as any other platform. Excellent. Um, what percentage of your items are vintage lighting? I would say at least half. Mm-hmm. Um it depends. Um, and actually we've been listing more lighting and as we sell off, we first started, we were selling a bit of everything. Um, we had clothes and shoes, which I absolutely hate selling. <laughs> <laughs> Your trash is my treasure. <laughs> we actually made a trip down to the bins in the States and picked up some stuff and, um, most of it's gone now, but as that stuff sells off, we, we dabbled in plush for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a few of those listed. Um, but yeah, it's it's climbing. The vintage lighting and vintage collectibles is climbing as we sell off the other stuff. Okay, great. I now, like um, I, and all the power to the people who sell clothing. I'm glad. I mean, I buy clothing mm-hmm. <laughs> online, but it's not my thing. And Obviously, it must show somehow in my listings because it's not my niche and I don't like it. People don't want to buy it from me. So. Yeah, I think it has to do with the algorithm. It, eBay yeah. 
boosts your listing in search, I think. Whatever is working for you keeps yeah. working for you. Yeah. Because um, whenever I explore a new category, it takes a little while for it to get going. But I've been doing clothes and shoes forever. And yeah. so it's just old habits die hard. And I just, I find that luxuriously soft cashmere sweater. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> this cannot go to the landfill. Somebody right. could be wearing this and loving it. And that's kind of my mindset as I'm trying to rescue these really nice items that mm-hmm. are expensive and beautiful. And um, sometimes they're clothes and shoes. <laughs> so, um, so that's kind of my, you know, bread and butter stuff, but I'm always looking to explore other categories. Like I tried golf clubs and I just, no, I just, that gave me a stomach ache. I'm like, this does not align with my sole purpose. I just don't like, I don't know anything about golf. I don't want to ship these things and more power to the people that do those and uh, electronics. Just, I cannot get excited about any of these receivers or, you know, stereo parts. I just, I'll, I'll stay in there in the thrift store and, and have this internal conversation of, right? <laughs> yeah, I could sell that for 150. Yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. I'm going to go over to the clothes. <laughs> I'm going to go look at the, the pretty breakable stuff that's small um, or the plush. I found a plush the other day. I've got $325 on it because it is rare and vintage yeah. and it's that Eden plush, Eden toys that's a vintage brand and, and it's just... Um, I don't mind looking through them. You know, it's for me, it's kind of a meditative experience. You know, you're just going through stuff at the thrift store, like what's going to pop up. Anything's possible at any minute. And so that's kind of where I am on the clothing stuff. It's like a break from the computer, but um, I'm always willing to learn more. And I just don't even see the kind of stuff you sell Um, because you post on the Money Making Mondays and you had this lamp you sold for $600. And I think you, it, the post part was black. I'm sure you remember it. It was recently within the last couple of months, maybe. Um, and I think the one that I made, was, was it the one with three globes that I just made? I don't know. I don't remember exactly. I just, I remember putting that in we the have a, video. Yeah, we, we have our most expensive one right now is we have a 4,200 it's Canadian dollars, but $4,200 Canadian light. Um, and I just about sold it last week. Um, but she ended up going with another one at the very last minute. But oh no. Well. I get excited when designers and movie studios, um, we've got one guy in Florida who, um, he's the host of a HGTV show. And uh, he keeps buying in bulk from us. So I get really excited when I see stuff come up, you know, six lights at a time. It's, uh, it's pretty exciting. My, my phone just lit up and I just got an offer for that thing I was talking about. It's a, well, you, I have my fake background. It's oh, a, oh the, the flash, yeah. It's little Lammy. And they only offered $50 and I've got 325 on it. So that's not happening. Do you end old listings and start them over or do you just let everything? Not very often. Um, 
I know that I should. And I, I've seen discussion on how it helps and how it doesn't help. I do sometimes like some of our items have, I have one item right now that has like 98 watchers on it or something like that. Uh, some of our item, a lot of our lights have, um, cause they're higher end or they're, um, it's very, it's not unusual to have 25 plus watchers on an item, but if it's been sitting for a while and it has a huge amount, I'll raise the price just for fun, <laughs> just to see yeah, what happens. I mean, why not? And it's it, up in, the only one that's not worked on is the one that's sitting right now, but it's actually, I don't know if it lets the user who's watching it know that there's been a change or something, but quite often I'll get an offer as soon as I up the price. So I don't know. Well, it used to be that you could adjust your communication settings. If as a buyer, you wanted notification when items you're watching, the price changes. Okay. I don't know if that's true anymore. I think eBay just for their sake, because they want you to get the sale because they want the fees. Um, I think it's just automatically done and people assume that buyers are notified when they lower the price. But um, I've tested this with people like, okay, I'm going to raise the price, you know, go be a watcher on this item yeah. and I'm gonna raise the price and tell me if you get a notification and yeah. they do. Okay. So I don't think it's written anywhere that when you raise the price, buyers are notified. It's just kind of a vague thing that's out there, or maybe it has to do with an algorithm. Has that person bought that kind of item before? You know, do they routinely buy these kinds of items? Would they be interested to know this? I have no idea. And that's like one of the big secrets of eBay. And really when you hear these things, or I hate to like see them on social media, you know, somebody said yeah. that somebody else heard that they might've yeah. known, you know, it's just try it yourself and see what yeah. happens. And the longer you've had something, the less you're willing to take, unless you know from your research that, yes, this is a truly unique item, limited in number. And this happens to me all the time. I'll have something that is very cool and vintage and um, unusual and get all these low ball offers. And I'm like, no, I've done the research and I know it can go for more. And one day somebody just buys it for full price. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, we just sold an encyclopedia set and, um, and I just picked up another one to replace it, but um, yeah, the low ball offers, but it's like, no, other people are selling these for a huge chunk of money. So, and somebody bought it at full price. So. Okay. Well, what is going on with encyclopedias? Are these going to people museums are, or what? No, they're going to people's houses. Um, and it's funny because We'll pick up if we see um, at a good price uh, any kind of series of books that's vintage. We'll usually pick them up. Um, we'll check comps first, but um, nine times out of ten, we'll pick them up. Um, I think other people don't like shipping them, so maybe there's less competition online. Um, I would agree with that. <laughs> so, but yeah, we. I don't know if you get news down there about our area, but we had uh, massive flooding in the fall, which washed out major highways and transportation hub. So we were, our ground transportation was at a halt for a week or two until they were able to rebuild the parts of the highway that had been washed out. And I had an order of, um, of encyclopedias that was going out, I'm in the West, so it was going across the country to Ontario. And um, 
when we showed up at, we shipped primarily UPS. And when we showed up at UPS, he, the guy that we always deal with looked at all the parcels and he said, yep, yeah, that one can go, that one can go. And those were the ones that were going down into the States. But anything that was going out East through Canada, I wasn't allowed to send ground because there was no route for it to take. And so I'm, I um, I did upgrade a few of the shippings to air because it wasn't very expensive to do that. But the encyclopedias, it was going to be like 350 bucks in shipping or something if I upped it to air. And so I messaged the guy and I'm like, I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to refund. I can't get it to you. Um, all of our highways are washed out. And he's like, no worries. Just hang on. He's like, I really want them. I've been searching for a set in good condition for ages. You have a good set. Um, he's like, as soon as they open, just send it off to me. So that's what we did. <laughs> He waited, I think he waited 10 days before I could put it in shipping. So, and I did worry that I had purchased the shipping label, um, but there was no scanning of it in to the system because it wasn't on its way yet that I would get in some kind of trouble from eBay, but the customer was happy. So it went well. <laughs> so I guess that is a risk if the customer had complained and I hadn't shipped it off, even though I right. bought the shipping label, um, that I would be getting a uh, defect because it was late, but it I didn't. So it oh, was it all worked out. But yeah, well, I so. imagine that your business model is a lot like Sherry's that's over in uh, Nova Scotia, where you sell unusual items so that the shipping cost is not an issue. Yeah. They go around the world because whoever wants it's going to pay because it's so unusual. Yeah. Uh, now, are you doing global shipping, eBay standard, international, both? How do you do I that? never use eBay shipping ever. Um, it is not cost effective in Canada at all. Um, of course not. Right. It's so, and we don't have GSP. And I'm always forever commenting on people's comments on Facebook about GSP because I hate GSP. And I will, I know it's very convenient for the sellers, especially in the US to use it because it's hassle free. But from a buyer's perspective, it's expensive and it's slow. So on the rare time that I haven't been able to get or convince the seller to send something to me direct, um, and I will even send you the shipping label if you don't want to deal with like um, pirate ship or something, then I'm happy to email if you tell me the dimensions and the weight of your package, I will send you um, a UPS shipping label because for me, it's way faster and way cheaper to use. Um, I use, uh, there's two companies, there's NetParcel through PayPal. Um, and it's a bit tricky. There is a NetParcel that's not through PayPal, which you don't want to use. You want to use the one that goes through PayPal. And then another company called um, ClickShip. And they both, ClickShip is, uh, Freightcom is the, the supplier. ClickShip is just the interface you use online. Um, they both offer steeply discounted courier prices. Um, so FedEx, UPS, Purolator, Canpar, um, it'll just list all of the services to the address with your package dimensions and you can pick how fast and how much you want to pay. Um, and nine times out of 10, it's UPS for us, both to the States, overseas and within Canada. But wow, we're not you sound very knowledgeable about shipping. Uh, shipping yeah. is... I spent a while. There is also the cross-border shippers. Um, they truck, your, so you pay on 
online and then you drop your stuff off at an access point and they will truck your stuff across the border and then it goes use USPS. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're only good for really small packages. So probably clothing or I know people use them for like stickers and stuff like that. But most of our stuff goes in a box bigger than eight by eight by eight. And anytime you hit 12 by 12 by 12, USPS is not a good option anyways. So um, our standard box size is 17 by 17 by 19. So we're shipping bigger boxes. Um, and yeah, we can we cut our prices down from the beginning when we first started to where we are now as far as shipping prices. Um, it pays to ship to shop around for shipping. And I want to go back to your comment about GSP as a buyer. Um, this is what I've been telling people for years that it's more expensive for the buyer because it's, it's all priority. And now with this new eBay standard international, it's still under that eBay umbrella. And I feel like I say this on every single podcast, but there's still people who have been selling on eBay like for even decades that just won't ship international. And ah, it's like, you guys want to buy stuff, you know, and there's the risk is, is none. There's just, you're covered by eBay, but you can offer both GSP and the standard international And the second option is kind of like eBay's version of first-class international, but you're covered up to $100. You can add more insurance. It goes up to 66 pounds. Sometimes it gets there faster anyway. And it's just a wonderful option. I think it's going on two years old now, or maybe three. I don't know. Time goes by so fast now. Um, But uh, that global shipping is cost prohibitive for a lot of people. And if, if I can, I just won't, they just won't give this new option a try. And it's just very frustrating for me because it's like, you can make more money. Just go on all your listings and bulk edit them and add that standard yeah. international option and just see what happens. Of course, on the internet, you're always going to find the bad stories, the horror stories. People make YouTube videos about their horror stories. And you don't hear from the millions of people that successfully receive their package and they're so happy about it. Yeah. And I mean, I I am looking sometimes for parts that I can't find anywhere else. Um, And (laughs) I am... I will always message, if it's showing GSP, I will always message the seller and say, would you consider sending direct? If you're not comfortable doing that, could I send you a shipping label? Um, And I'd say more than half of them say yes. And um, you have to be careful with shipping into Canada. Any of the couriers will charge you a brokerage fee. So um, unless you do your own brokerage and you have to have a um, incorporated business to do that. Um, but if it goes USPS, then there's no brokerage fee. And a lot of times the item gets waived through customs with no duties and taxes because it's low value. So whereas GSP automatically charges everybody duties and taxes on everything that comes through. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. it's charged even if it's not needed. Yeah. So that on top of priority mail makes it very expensive. It's usually or it can be, I don't want to say usually, because I don't know every situation, but it can be up to three times more 
yeah. than first class international. So slow, so slow if you're waiting for something. Yeah. 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 So, um, and, and here's the thing is you're reaching out and asking and informing these U.S. sellers of how to do this. How many millions of people are there like you that don't even ask? They just, yeah. oh, they don't offer it, going to move on. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, this is, it's like the one that got away, <laughs> you know, it's just, um, for the sellers listening, you could have all kinds of people in other countries looking at your listing and they see global shipping and nope, too expensive. And they move on. They don't yeah. take the time to message you and say, hey, could you do this or uh, educate you on a better way? So I just feel like um, so many thing. items are just skipped over because yeah. oh, GSP too expensive. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's crazy. And I, if you, I think if you sign out of your eBay account and go in as, and then put or change your address, you can actually see what your listings look like to yes. somebody from that address looking at it. So I've sent screenshots before to sellers and saying, this is what I'm seeing as far as shipping and duties and taxes. Um, you can see how crazy this is. So <laughs> could you, you know, consider sending it direct to me instead? And uh, it works much better. <laughs> Just, yeah. And, and for the seller's listing, you just go on your listing, go down to this description area and click the shipping tab. Yeah, and then you can put in whatever country you want yeah. just to see what it looks like to your buyer. And then you just change it back to yourself when and you're you'd be shocked at what, at yeah. what, yeah. It's like, or they say, um, how much is it going to be to ship to Sweden? And I'll go to the listing and do that and choose Sweden. And it says right there. And I'm like, why are they not seeing this? Um, and I'll send a screenshot of you should be seeing this on your listing. Um, it's right under at the top um, under the uh, you know item location, delivery time. And then it will say how much the shipping cost is for that location. So um, you can definitely do that just yeah for your own and people are all, they're always shocked every time I, I say we'll go into your listing and look and they're always shocked oh my goodness that's how much it's charging you that's crazy and I'm like yeah it's just a little tiny piece I need. right right so yeah. let's go back to some of your sales because you mentioned interior designers buy from you um prop houses yeah movie and tv industry um do you remember any sales that specifically went to production? Like you mentioned one. Yeah, we had, uh, two weeks ago, we had two lamps that went to CBS prop room. Ah. Um, yeah, they were um, trying to think which one it was. Uh, they were both swags. One was um, it was long and narrow and it was pressed glass and it had some orange and white or orange and clear Um parts to it and the other one I call them UFO shape they're like um they're round and they're squat and then um it was a gray one that went to the CBS prop house and we okay. had um I guess last summer we had I think it was six or seven lights that went to a brand new studio in Georgia somewhere there seems to be a lot of studio it was called three ring studio or a ring of there was something to do with rings <laughs> okay okay yeah there's a lot of filming that goes on down here and I actually yeah. have a friend who works at a prop house in downtown Atlanta and um, she's really educated me on 
what people buy. Mm-hmm. And it, it may not be for a specific thing right this moment. Sometimes yeah. it is like, oh, we need a lamp for this set. Yeah. But they are just always collecting items for their um, warehouse so that yeah. they'll have them on hand when needed. The favorite thing, my most favorite light that I ever built from scrap parts um, went to, and it was a while ago, but it went to a place in in Georgia, one of the, um, and I said to the lady, and I doubt she'll remember, but I'm like, please let me know if it's used in anything, because I would love to see my creation in the back of a, you know, but I have not seen it on anything. And Oh, I ask that all the time when... (laughs) I'm curious about why somebody bought something and it's just, yeah. it's just human curiosity. It's, yeah. I don't feel like I'm being nosy. I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad you bought this. I love this item. What are you going to use it for? Yeah. Or, or they'll just tell you, um, yeah. Oh, my grandmother had one of these. I was so glad to find yeah. another one, but um, that would be interesting to reach out to these when you know, it's going to a prop house and just say, Hey, I'm so curious. What is this going to be used for? And, Maybe they'll answer you. Maybe they won't. But um, I've yeah. seen on the group people posting, oh, I sold this sweater and somebody's wearing it on the Goldbergs. That's or, cool. Yeah. And all these shows that are coming out that are um, retro and reboots and they're going to need props for their sets. And it's cheaper just to go on eBay and buy it than to try to make a replica. We have a huge, um, a huge movie industry here in Vancouver. Yes, you do. Um, so we get uh, local pickups quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. They they're looking, and then we don't have to do that panicked FedEx overnight for the set. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> just come to the house and pick up whatever light it is that they were looking for. But um, and with streaming now, so many things are filmed in Canada. It's, um, well, it's the exchange rate. Yeah, it's it's just cheaper to do it there. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, because um, what what was I watching? Um, oh, that show on Amazon Reacher. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Oh yeah. He's hot. You need to watch that. (laughs) (laughs) I think I watched it in two days. There's eight episodes. (laughs) Anyway, um, it's supposed to be filmed in South Georgia and scenes are in downtown Atlanta and it's totally not Atlanta. It's you know, it says filmed in Canada. I forget where, but um, they mm-hmm. sure made it look like Georgia. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah. there's a lot. Yeah, a lot. And we'll I'll recognize streets and like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's or, or the buildings or something. You know, it's like, oh, that's the city. But most people don't look that close. So whatever. They're too busy looking at the shirtless Reacher guy, which uh, <laughs> I'll have to look at. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, you'll have to. Um, so um, you mentioned an item that almost sold for $4,000. What yeah. has been some of your highest sales? Um, I think that that would definitely have been our highest. After that, um, we've sold a couple $2,000 lights. Um, it's been a while since we've sold anything. Most of our lights... The average swag runs 250 to 300. Um, and then ones that I create, usually they're ones that I've created that have multiple globes on them. Um, they run five to 600 bucks usually. Nice. But yeah, I was excited. It's a beautiful piece that we have. Um, I've built, because um, t- I was having, for the first while when we were doing chandeliers, I was 
wiring for picturing them I was wiring them into my dining room so oh really I was on a a ladder and installing them taking the pictures with them on and off and then pulling them down and then I all of a sudden realized that I could build myself a box with and so I built out of two by fours and plywood a box with a hole on the top um, and then I've got black fabric in the whole box and on the top and then I install the lights there. And then I'm easy, they're easily accessible on the other side of the roof of the box um, at sort of standing height. I, I can wire them properly and then they just plug them into a plug. So, so you made a, a photo set up for that yeah. at the same time. Yeah. That's very smart. Yeah. So. And one thing I noticed on some of your sales is that you mentioned taking the items apart to ship them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that doesn't occur to people they'll see a floor lamp, a table lamp, and they're like, how am I going to ship this? And you have to get in that mindset of how can I break this down? All of our um, swags, the the glass globes, we take the tops off and we fill the swags with peanuts um, because there's such a large void. Um, We had in the beginning, we had a couple that even though they were not moving within the box, just because there was a void, it collapsed, the glass collapsed in on itself. So we stuff the insides of any void, even, even if we sell a mug, we stuff the inside with peanuts uh, and then wrap and then more peanuts. So, and we've discovered that the biodegradable peanuts compress way better than the original type peanuts. And there's no static cling on biodegradable peanuts. So it's, um, it's a win-win. <laughs> we can okay. push them where do you get those? Um, <clears throat> we get them from a local packing supply place. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I've never actually ordered because we're in Canada again. We don't have the options. There is Uline we can order from, but shipping is crazy to get your supplies. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so we just um, Googled shipping supplies and we found a couple of local places and went and talked to them to see what their prices were like. Mm-hmm. Um and we've settled on one they know us now <laughs> they have their packing peanuts in stock for us and we buy huge things of bubble wrap as well um and we buy our boxes from them most of the time too so it okay. um but yeah those biodegradable peanuts are so much better than the regular styrofoam oh i hate those things they stick to everything they make a huge mess and then when your buyer opens it it's going to make a huge mess at their yeah. Yeah, they're made of, uh, I think they're made of cornstarch. They disintegrate in water. Yeah. And our buyers also, some of them are green conscious. So they like to recycle their, put their, that you can put those packing peanuts like out in your compost. So. Oh, good. Okay. Something to look for. Okay. So that is a great tip. If something's hollow to fill it. Yes. It has just the pressure on the box. I had something break a few months ago and that must've been what happened. Because I mean, I double boxed it. I don't know how this thing broke. And even the the buyer who received it broken said, I don't know how this broke. You had it packed so well. And it was a little um, sauce pot. It was a ceramic sauce pot. Mm -hmm. And I guess I didn't put enough in the middle of it. Some people use like just crumpled up uh, plastic shopping bags, just mm-hmm. anything that oh, holds yeah, yeah. space in there. And um, even a, a coffee mug, you know, that yeah. it's the pressure on the outside yeah. that makes it break. And if you don't have anything in the middle of that item for counter yeah. pressure, 
it's going to break. Yeah, we found very, very little breakage after we started doing that. And uh, so, and we've had no complaint and everything has to be assembled. Nobody's ever complained that they had to put the top back onto their life. Hey, well, that's how you would receive it from a store. <laughs> if you ordered Hello Wayfair, everything from there yeah. you have to put together. Yeah. I went through that a couple of years ago when I redid some furniture and I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's gonna take me two hours. I hate doing that. Um, but that's life. And what about yeah. Ikea? You got to put everything together you get from yeah. them. <laughs> so. the tension pole lamps that we sell that go floor to ceiling with the spring on them. Mm-hmm. Um, the vintage ones, those all separate into three or four parts. It's one there's, it's a tube that fits into another tube that fits into another tube. Um, so those are easy to, again, taking them apart for shipping. Well, you have just been a wealth of information. <laughs> yeah. The last thing I ask my guests is what kind of advice would you give to people starting eBay and in your situation who want to get into selling vintage lighting? Um, well, for people just starting out on eBay, I would say start selling what you know. Don't, don't, uh, I mean, the, I think one of the, I got caught up in the beginning watching YouTube videos and wanting to sell what other people were selling. Um, great information on the YouTube videos, but it's really, you're, you need to find what it is that you like to sell and what you know about and what you're excited about selling. Cause there's no point in selling something if you're not excited about it. Um, and as far as lighting, um, I know it's just a very cool, I just love lighting and it's, it, it becomes a bit of a problem though, when you're watching movies and TV shows, cause you're looking at all the lights in the shows. And- <laughs> I do that too, with all kinds of stuff. I'm like, there's that vintage mid-century modern yep. wood starburst clock. Yeah. Yeah. I see that all the time now yep. or some mug in the background or yeah, I do that all the time. <laughs> But yeah, just uh, don't be scared to try and ship it um, and and don't overthink it um, and reach out. There's tons of people who already have the information. I People walked me through the cross-border shipping stuff when I first started. Um, and then I, somebody else mentioned the other ways that we ship and just yeah, reach out, join groups, um, read everything that you can um, because you never know even after you think you know everything, somebody will say something and you're like, huh, <laughs> I'm going to try that. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And I think people shy away from obviously breakables because they're just, they're afraid of the unknown. Yeah. It's, it's, you just have to throw yourself out there out of your comfort zone and just do some different things. Cause that's where you're going to grow. If you just keep doing the same thing all the time, A, it gets boring yeah. Yeah. And B, you're missing opportunities. We actually so. bought at Halloween. I saw in one of the groups, somebody say that the giant skeletons were out at Home Depot again this year and that celebrities had purchased them in the previous year and they had sold out super quickly. So I made my partner come to Home Depot with me and we bought this 12 foot skeleton. It cost us 400 bucks Canadian to buy it. And it was um, it was almost 100 pounds, the, the box itself. And um, got it home, listed it for $1,200 um, and it sold. And then I had to figure out how to ship it. And um, that's when I discovered ClickShip because one of their couriers will pick up at the house 
and we'll do really large items. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was like, uh-oh, it's sold. <laughs> Otherwise, ship it. So wow, that is huge. A hundred pounds. Yeah, and it was oh a giant gosh. box. The di- yeah. it was more the dimensions that uh, were over most of the most of the courier companies. And um, we were thinking that we would have to take it out of the box and repackage it into multiple boxes. Um, but we did find somebody to ship it. So that was good. <laughs> this seems like you're not afraid of anything. We'll try it. We'll try it. <laughs> Fearless Tamsin. That might be the tagline on your <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, okay. Well, we are going to wrap this up. And thanks again for agreeing to come on my podcast and being brave enough to <laughs> to talk and share your business. Um, again, we're going to put the link to your Facebook group below. Oh, yeah. so and come check that out if they want another place to learn about vintage lighting. So. We also had, we started a group, I guess some of the people in the group um, are just looking for somebody else to repair their lamps. So we started a thread with where people are from so that they can sort of get together locally if one person's willing to fix another person's lamp. That's wonderful. <clears throat> that's That's just really innovative that you have this community for such a specific item. Hmm. Yeah, I honestly didn't think that I'd get in more than a couple hundred people and it's just growing so fast. So I guess there's a lot of people that fix lamps out there. Well, good for you. (laughs) That's a great resource. Well, thanks again for coming on and we will see you on the Facebook group. Okay, thanks. Bye. Okay, bye. Thanks again, Tamsin, for agreeing to come on my podcast and share a little bit about your business. The link to Tamsin's Lamp Repair Facebook group is below the podcast, so you can check that out if it is of interest to you. And thanks so much for tuning in this week and every week. I'm going to end this episode with a motivational quote from Einstein. He said, Anyone who has never made a mistake has never tried anything new. So get out there and experiment and see where it leads you. Make it a great week on eBay, everybody. Bye for now.